Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Basic Bingers, the fourth episode of our weekly trot through the world of pop culture and television. Although television is, of course, pop culture. It is. But we don't, don't just do television, do we, Kay? No. That's the voice of Kay Ribeiro. I'm Boyd Hilton. And that is Jonathan, John Dan, Johnny. Rustling in the background. <laughs> Hello, sorry, just checking levels and stuff. Being all Harris. I should say your surname. We really say your surname. Yeah. Johnny Harris. Mm. John Dan. Isn't there a famous actor called Johnny Harris? Yeah, he yes. was in that boxing film yeah. recently. He's really good. Yeah, Rocky. And this is England and stuff. Was he? Yeah, yeah, I want to say this I think is he's that kind of yeah. actor. Yeah, uh, and there's a Guardian uh, writer called John Harris. Of course, yeah. Who's um, he used to be on the Late Review as well? Do you mm. Remember, he was. Yeah, he was always scathing on the Late Review. All the people that aren't this John. Yeah, no. For us, you're unique though. You th- are the John Harris. I think so. Yes. Today, listeners, we're going to be looking at. In-depth reviews of The Cry, which is the new BBC One drama on Sunday nights coming up with Jenna Coleman, who used to be in Doctor Who, and it's effectively going to be the new thing in the bodyguard slot. Mm. We're also going to look at, we're going to review Serial, season three, the first two episodes of Dropped, and being the podcast that likes to review podcasts, we're going to review that podcast on this podcast. It's what everyone's been waiting for. Well, some people. And finally, in in the big meaty review section, we're going to be looking at series 14, yes, count them, of The Apprentice, which starts on BBC One next Wednesday at 9pm. Oh, and also, perhaps most exciting of all, we're going to have a spoiler special discussion of the series finale of Bodyguard. That is so much content. So much content. That's a lot to get through, guys. Come on. Because that is going to be probably the most watched TV drama of the year. I mean, it is going to be... No. Lo- what about Killing Eve? Because uh, of the distribution system on oh, iPad stuff, yada. I don't think the it most, will be. No, I mean, That's Eve's my new even, thing now. Yeah, but in terms of sheer volume of viewers, Killing okay. Eve's not even... It's not even in, in, all right, accept it. Look, I love the bodyguard. So before all that, though, our traditional early stage of the format of this podcast, where we each get to choose three things that have delighted or entertained us this week in the world of popular culture, and we like to call it the three... Kay, what are your three things that have delighted and entertained you in the world of popular culture? 
Okay, so my first two are documentaries, which haven't come out yet. <laughs> yeah, they haven't oh. come out yet. They're sort of previewy ones, but I just wanted to tell you about them so that you could set your digital devices to record them. The first one is George Shelley, Learning to Grieve. It's on BBC iPlayer on Sunday, this Sunday, 30th September. And so this is the guy from Union J. He was also went into the jungle. I don't know if you, either of you are aware of him. He just went into the jungle of his own accord. He wasn't <laughs> he in, he wasn't in I'm he a celebrity. He went on a holiday to the jungle. Why not? Oh, okay. Anyway, so this is his documentary about the fact that over a year ago he lost his sister, Harriet, who was only 21, in a tragic road traffic accident. And this whole documentary is about the fact that he never has really spoken about it. He's really struggled to process his grief. And so, in a way, this documentary was a form of helping him. You know, he throughout it, he talks about it openly about what happened. He struggles talking about it. And he just talks about this overwhelming grief. And in the process, he has these raw emotional conversations with his parents, which are quite heartbreaking, obviously, to watch. Um, and he also goes to a support group for other young people who've lost siblings. It's really, really sad. But I just think it's such a good thing for him to have done, both for himself. I mean, it's obviously a very personal journey for him. But for anyone who's ever lost someone who struggled with grief or anything like that I just thought it was a it was really essential bit of viewing in that respect so you know like when what's his chops and the footballer did one about losing his wife Rio Ferdinand in a similar way like it was very poignant and necessary for people to talk about this because he obviously makes a point that as with him a lot of grief can be bottled up and then it's connected to other mental health issues which he suffered from as well so yeah that's the first thing it's not particularly a cheery thing to start off my list with but i think it is definitely not a cheery thing but that's it's not but we we are open to weighty topics yeah and good and good documentaries um so that's on bbc iplayer sunday 30th september is it officially bbc3 yeah, BBC Three. Yeah, but it's on the iPlayer, so. Uh, I think you know you have to give BBC Three okay, the credit. Okay, so BBC Three. They commissioned it. Okay, the second thing, the other documentary I've watched, previewed, is Drowning in Plastic. It's on BBC One. It'll be on the first of October, and it's a ninety-minute special. I'm going to tweet about this when it goes out, um, just to remind you, Pogs, because it's all about, as the title suggests, the fact that. We are consuming so much plastic and it's having such a devastating impact on the environment. So wildlife biologist Liz Bonin, I'm saying, goes around the globe. TV presenter. Is she? Yeah, she's been around for years. Yeah. Well, else has she done? In the best possible way. I really like her. She's so done I'm loads of things. She used to do. She used to rise, I think. You remember? Um, oh God, uh, the yes. children's. Um, no, the um, breakfast TV show. It was a breakfast TV show. Wasn't it aimed at the youth? Mm. Rise. Oh, not I thought children. It was. Not children. Was I mean, I used edgy? to go on it and review. Oh, definitely not for the TV kids. And films. Yeah, definitely okay. not for the kids. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was on that. Yeah, carry on. All right. Well, anyway, so she goes around the globe just kind of exploring the impact it's had. And so, like, she goes 10,000 miles to the to a remote island off the coast of Australia to look at this island where these certain type of birds, what they call flesh-footed shearwater birds, go to nest every year. And they do this experiment. They kind of, like, get the little chicks and they pump the stomachs of the chicks. Don't worry, it's all very, you know... That none of none of the chicks are harmed, but to see how much plastic, are you sure? yeah, to see how much plastic they have in their stomachs, and it is absolutely incredible and shocking how much plastic. I think the record bits of plastic they got out of one little chick was two hundred and sixty pieces. Like wow. that's everything from like pen lids, bottle lids. It's absolutely terrible what's happening. And um, yeah, Boyd refuses to recycle everyone. I don't, you that's do. Not true. Don't deny it now because we're recording this. He does refuse, <laughs> and also he does other things inappropriately with a fork. But I'm going to talk about those later. <laughs> that's so <laughs> don't just say weird. that without. Yeah, don't just accuse In- me of doing 
All right. Random <laughs> things with a fork. Involves tea bags. Okay, and then the last thing. It's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> what? Sorry. Tea, tea what? No, I'll talk about it later. Fork anyway. Tea bagging. The, oh, the, listen, okay. the last thing I want to talk about is. things down that. Right. Something that you guys will have watched, and I know I'm behind the times of this, but. When it was on, this oh, country, no, this country, <laughs> I totally missed out on it. I saw this a few. Con- oh, this is good. Carry on. Yeah. yeah. This, is, well, this is the West Wing all over again. It's not the West Wing because I've spoken to a lot of people who haven't watched it. Listeners, John, have you watched it? I have not watched it. Just so, to explain, when, whenever Kay suddenly alights upon a show <laughs> that's been on for years, literally years, and suddenly, uh, suddenly randomly decides she's going to watch it from the beginning, I always refer to it as the West Wing because she did start watching the West Wing about 10 Don't, years after so it finished. Just explaining. Stop trying to embarrass me. No, I'm not trying to embarrass I'm just explaining to the listeners. Okay. You've accused Pogs. me of doing strange things with forks. Pe- people on the ground listening, right? If you haven't watched this country, which was on BBC Three, and you haven't listened to it, can you tweet us at Basic Binges just so I can sh- prove to Boyd that not everyone has seen it obviously not everyone has seen it right backtracking so anyway it's a hilarious mockumentary comedy about the lives of young people in modern rural britain and it's written by and starring daisy may cooper and charlie cooper brother and sisters who in the program are actually meant to be cousins and it's so well written and so funny and actually i think quite moving in parts when they're like interacting with one of their friends in the village who just happens to be the local priest um who tries to keep them on the straight and narrow it's really really good if you are the minority who haven't seen this, tune in. It's all on BBC iPlayer, and um, it's that'll be you'll get you all ready for the special that's coming up. Boy's shaking his head, trying to put me off. Is it what's the special? Is, is I can't there a theme or anything. No? So just, they're, they're just going to do one episode. The special. Um, I think the special. I'm seeing it in a couple. of screening um, in a couple of weeks. You'll be pleased to know. Yeah, BAFTA, I was invited you, to. Oh, you invited. So is that, did you? That's why I'm watching it. Right. In oh, I see. You see. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I assumed it was going to be a Christmas special, but I don't think it is. I think it's a, it's a, yeah, it's like a one-off special special. Fair enough. Yeah. So watch that. It is really really good. Pogs. And that's all I have to say on the matter. Boy is smirking. I'm not smirking. I'm just yeah, pleased that you've <laughs> discovered this show. That I probably suggested we reviewed the last series, and you probably wouldn't let me. <laughs> anyway, you're ridiculous, Johnny. Johnny Hello. Harris. Hey, <laughs> have you picked three po- three uh, podcasts, or are you striking out from your stereotyped view of Don't you? Don't be predictable as a podcast specialist. <sighs> well, um, last a couple of weeks back, I picked a TV show, and then I got. I would say abuse online yeah, for my did. choice. Oh, I'm not. It wasn't really abuse, but someone. No, it was someone, good. someone was took not you down. My they said it was a shit choice. So maybe I should. Oh, just yeah, what was stick, that again? Stick to what I know. Uh, the Luke McQueen pilots. Oh, they yeah, didn't that, enjoy it as much. That as was me. unfair. The Luke, Luke McQueen pilots are a, already a cult phenomenon. Oh, I'm, don't. I'm we're ba- gonna have I'm another backlash. You. I don't. No, I'm backing you on that one. <gasps> But just to play it safe, I have picked three podcasts. <laughs> so first up, with a disclaimer, Boyd has actually already spoken about this one on the previous incarnation of the pod. And this week they were lovely enough to um, actually tweet about us. Yes. But oh. I promise you, I was thinking that we should talk about this anyway, because this week on the Two Shot podcast hosted by Craig Parkinson, he was lucky enough to sit down for an hour and a half with Carl Pilkinson. Pilkington. Pilkinson. I've gone Parkinson, <laughs> Pilkinson. <laughs> a combo. Parkinson, oh, Pilkinson. That, is t- that is a tough one, yeah. Carl Pilkington. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and they just chatted Who for an hour and a half. we actually talked about last pod because his show Sick of It was on, Sky One. I assume that's how they uh, he, he got the access to, to Carl. Yeah, because he's in that episode, that um, first episode. So, yeah. It they, all makes sense. So, they kind of just uh, chew the fat. But it's like, it's a bit about the show and how he came back to it. And actually, um, a conversation that you discussed about cleaning oven windows comes up. He says that he had had that conversation recently. Oh, yeah, because Carl had basically given up acting and had earned enough money to live a glorious life, but then found he was getting just poshing around and getting a bit bored in his um, girlfriend's stage and intervention when he was cleaning the oven. 
And um, he kind of, they kind of go through like a little bit of everything from like even his childhood when uh, as a uh, a um, what's it, what do they call him when he deliver papers? Paper, Paper boy. boy, that's the one. Paper <laughs> yeah. boy. Yeah. And and it's just Carl is just the way that he thinks and the way that he says stuff is just so. He's just funny. He's and there was the, his way with words. There was one specific bit. I might be paraphrasing this slightly wrong, but he was talking about all the jobs his dad had when he was growing up. And he said, "If my dad had to make a CV, they'd have to release it in hardback." And he just just off the cuff, he says something as hilarious as that. And I just I wish I could, you know, my brain worked even slightly like that. It's very funny. Um, of course, I hosted the launch Q and A. Of course, you did with bong. Carl this week at Buster. that's Boyd's name drop bong. By the way. No, no, no. This is a this is a mini anecdote. Touch. This is a spinning off from John's choice. Mm-hmm. So and this isn't gratuitous name dropping. This is specifically addressing the um, the point that John's made. Okay. So bong. That's a moderated <laughs> that's bong. Better, I, I mean, it actually is a double name drop. Oh. Bong bong. Yeah. Because so what I hosted got got the joy to host the joy got the honour of hosting the joyous honour of hosting Carl Pilkington. So I did a half hour chat with him and the um, director of the show, co-writer director of the show as well, Richard Yee, and loads of things came out of it. One is that they did listen to our review of the of the show. It. Yes. And direct, and they were both very pleased. Carl thought it was particularly funny, and that you, I think it was you. Oh God, no, yeah. I can't. Is it yes. something awful? Please don't I've been say it. For this moment. No, no, don't say it. Why yeah. did you hate me today? I don't, don't hate you. Oh my God, I can't bear this it. Is great. No, I can't bear it. I, I'll leave the studio. No, you're not. Let's leave the studio. What? Carl thought it was very funny oh, that you God. questioned why they needed to have the two <gasps> sides of him in the show. So this. <laughs> As, as you reminded listeners, yeah, the, the unique, concept, the yada, unique yada. thing about sick of it is that we see Carl and his alter ego, his kind of other side of him, you know, the red. voice in his head is dramatised, and we see him talk, they talk to each other, listen. and you and you and he thought it was very funny, and he literally said that. Yes, <laughs> yes I, I know that it was the concept. He thought it was very funny the way I pointed right. out. Right, what I would concept. say to Carl is, and you did point out his concept, which I obviously understood, is that it is it is funny without it. You don't need it. Was my point? Is that it was a funny like. If I had the confidence in his comedy, I think this is what's not have the doubling device. down. <laughs> it's a double okay. down. Yeah. It's a double down. Okay, well, anyway, I stand by my point. Anyway, um, he was brilliant. M- more importantly, he was brilliant. The K has turned her back to me. He, I was waiting for that moment to reveal that. It's uh, so that, awful. I can't week. bear it. He was, he was very grateful. They were both really nice about the podcast and very complimentary and grateful that we reviewed it as well. And anyway, the show is, is great. And I watched episode three now. Can I just say episode three is fantastic? Because um, each episode really? Is, is really different from the other. Um, Even so better than the sofa one, yeah, because that was my fave. No, yeah, because he goes out, he goes to Dungeness in episode three, which is this famous place. Um, anyway, see, watch it. Okay, just give me the finger, listeners, as well. <laughs> it's all happening. Anyway, he, they were on brilliant form, both of them, and Craig Parkinson was there. Hey. So Craig Parkinson was at the screening. He couldn't stay for my cuning because he had to get the train back home. Fair enough, but he was, but, but yeah, it was great to see him. And we're all, it's a big loving. It's a big Carl Pilkington, Craig Parkinson, sick of it, loving. Let's face it. Oh, we love we love the show. So that was an extended interruption of John's <laughs> choices. Of You're the now three. not allowed to talk for five no, minutes. No, I shall now not interrupt him for his second and third choices. So that was uh, the two shot podcast. Download it wherever you get podcasts. I mean, for all of my suggestions, download them wherever you get podcasts. Uh, quickly, the good place, the podcast. Oh, I didn't know this. So um, this kind of goes into a pog pick as well. Mira Jade. Patel said that she recommended The Good Place, the TV show, as a pog pick Netflix binge. But that's not the one we're doing this week. But I just wanted to give her a name check because she should check out this podcast. And series three is coming up. So the 28th. 
Yeah. Correct. I mean, I would have insisted we reviewed it, but they won't let us see it. They won't, because it's a, not a Netflix origination. It's a, it's no. They buy, of course, I've already interrupted you. I know. Good I'm just That was less than five minutes. I was Fine. adding context. So normally we'd love to review it because it is a brilliant thing, but we can't get to see, uh, access to see it because it's not their own origination. It goes out on NBC in America. Carry on. So this is hosted by Mark Evan Jackson, who plays Sean in the show. Um, and it's an official podcast. Wow. And normally I would say official podcasts are sometimes a little bit rubbish. Mm. But this one's really, really good. And the concept is that um, he basically goes through each episode of the show, one episode at a time, with a member of the cast or a director or an editor. So you kind of get an insight into what that episode was like from really different perspectives um, on the set itself. Um, That's good for super fans, right? Yeah, oh, love yeah. That. This one isn't... If you haven't watched The Good Place or don't, you know, didn't enjoy it, this one, steer well clear of this. But if you liked it, I think it's really interesting insight into the filmmaking process as well as that show specifically. And finally, More Perfect, which is a podcast by um, WNYC, who are the people who bring you Radio Lab, which is a big podcast. And basically, this is a show about the Supreme Court. Now, the first two seasons were great, and it was all about the Supreme Court and how it works, which I, something about podcasts has made me know more about American politics than I know about British politics, because they have such brilliant high quality podcasts explaining these kind of things. So the first two seasons were really great. But this third season is like, genuinely breathtakingly ambitious breathtaking honestly so it is about the 27 amendments to the american constitution oh, wow and not only is it there an, uh, like an episode they cover a couple in each episode they have recorded an album where each <laughs> song is about one of the 27 <laughs> amendments wow. it's a That's great incredible. it's a great gimmick and un, like a lot of them are like cool underground kind of american artists but for one of them they got dolly parton <gasps> to do a song about one of the what amendments ledge. isn't that i just right. so yeah that is mind which amendment did she sing about do you remember i can't remember yeah. off the top of my head i'm afraid okay but yeah so more perfect um definitely well worth checking out the third I hope it's not the that. gun one no that's the second be. amendment second hour, yeah. yeah and no, they've already done that one okay sorry so they're gonna interrupt you so that's that's the um it's called more perfect more perfect and all wow. of them uh, are available in all podcasting places brilliant thank you very much i like right. it when you ask me to yeah give my, okay yeah. come on hey right. boyd thanks <laughs> Hey, Boyd, what things do you have to tell us? Well, I would like to begin with season two of American Vandal, which is already now on the Netflix in full. Season one of American Vandal, may I remind you, was the mockumentary about um, high school vandal who'd sprayed cotton balls on all the cars of the teachers in the car park. And what was brilliant about it was that this very funny premise was dealt with in a very serious faux documentary style as if it was something like Making a Murderer and it forensically went into over I think 10 parts the all the different suspects it was kind of made faux made by two, two of the students really they were kind of doing it themselves it was just beautifully done because it not only was it brilliantly observed and funny intrinsically because it was doing it t- t- taking this whole crime very seriously in the way of true crime that we talk about so often on this show shout out to Steph who I thought hopefully we'll be back Next week, you were saying, we think, maybe, yeah. hopefully, maybe, hopefully. I mean, no promises or anything, but anyway, it was brilliant. So season two picks up from where um, season one left off, except there's a whole new um, joyously ludicrous and trivial mystery involving <laughs> turd burglary. <laughs> and um, I'll just leave it at that. There is a very, it's now gone even more kind of cheekily rude and obsessed about bodily fluids and functions as the title, as that 
kind of um, crime criminal act would suggest. But the um, the guys we know from the first is I think the brilliant, even more incredibly brilliant thing about it is the guys in the world of the show. The guys from the first series have become famous, as in, like, the world has watched that show. Mm. Do you know what I mean? As if they say they were the directors of Making Murder, and now they've become famous for making series one, <laughs> season one. And now they're, they, so it's all about, partly about a very self aware, postmodern thing about how they're treated because now people know who they are. And then they go to this private school, this posh private school, to investigate the Turbo <laughs> mystery. So it just works on at least 13 levels of brilliance. And I love it, and it's one of my favourite things. Where's it? Netflix. It's on the Netflix now. I urge you to watch it all in full. That's your weekend there, sorted. I mean, you know, how many apps? Ten, I believe, and it's glorious. And secondly, I'm going to suggest that you get the new book by Mark Kermode, friend of mine and uh, <laughs> legendary co-host of Wittertainment on Radio Five Live with Simon Mayo, whose birthday is today, as a recording this Friday. What's Simon's birthday? HBSM. HBSM. So Mark's new book is called How Does It Feel? A Life of Musical Misadventures. His previous books have dealt with, I mean, he obviously is the foremost film critic um, in the country, and his previous books have been about film criticism. So he wrote one about, oh, he wrote one about how he kind of got into film, and it was like a kind of memoir as well at the same time. Then he wrote a book about film criticism, which was brilliant, um, and all about how film criticism itself is an art, and and that's one of my favourites, because I really like the book. But this is, it's a giddy ride through his musical misadventures because he loves music. He's in a band now. So remember, I mentioned his new album, which is out this week now, um, a few weeks ago, um, with his band, the Dodge Brothers. But he's had a whole life since he was at, at college through now of wanting to be on stage and being a pop musician, pop slash rock musician. And it's a really funny, self-deprecating look. And I think a thing that a lot of, certainly men, maybe, I don't know. I mean, obviously, those are great. But there's a thing I, I do meet a lot of middle-aged, let's face it, men who have this kind of secret dream of wanting to become a rock star in some way. And he's done it, because he is. I mean, he, he performs with Dodge Brothers. Uh, you know, um, you know, they do tours and they release albums, and he's become a success as a musician on top of the film criticism. He's less famous for the music than he is the film, but this book is a great kind of memoir of all of that. And he's had some incredible experience. His life is absolutely incredible. You know, he's worked on TV shows in a band and a TV show um, with Danny Baker and people like that. There's all kinds of stuff. So anyway, it's just really entertaining. He's br- it's brilliantly written. How does it feel? Mark is that hardback? Paperback? Out in hardback. Now on a from published by Ryan and also listeners as an audio book, and I do think that may be the best way to listen to it because obviously Good Mark himself mm. talking about himself in, in as an audio book works brilliantly. And finally, may I draw your attention to the current Saturday night BBC Four um, foreign drama, <gasps> I love which a is drama. Mystery Road, and we haven't reviewed it on this podcast because you know we, we're, Why not? we're busy people. Well, you know I. We've got the stuff. We've always got mm. enough stuff to do. It's really, really good. It's one of the best ones for a long time. It's Australian. It's set in the outback, and it's a crime drama. And it begins with a two kind of um, young guys have disappeared to a mates who are working on this massive, huge, big farm in the outback in Australia. And it starts with their vehicle that, that, that's been abandoned. They were in. And their job was to go from place to place on this farm and doing various bits of work. They've disappeared. In comes a um, detective 
played by Aaron Peterson. And he is an Aboriginal. Is that your Australian accent? Peterson. No, he's P-E-D. So it's oh. not me going Peterson. <laughs> is that, you think it's Peterson? It's yeah, like yeah, Peterson. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it does. Peterson, say, but yeah. That's his name. And the character is called Jay Swan. And it's from, I think it was originally a novel, or it was also a film. So this is like a spin-off, a TV drama spinning off from a film called Mystery Road that came out a while ago. He's brought in to investigate by the local cop, head of chief of police, played by the great Judy Davis. You recognise Judy Davis. She's a brilliant actress. She's been in lots of films, including Woody Allen's Husband and Wives, one of her best ever performances. She plays a lot of crazy, kooky Americans. But she, this is her, she's playing an Australian figure. It's just great. It's beautifully shot, like using the landscapes of um, the outback. Mm. Stunning. The first shot is incredible. Like this, you know, the abandoned vehicle and panning up to the stars. Anyway, I won't go into any more details. How detail. many episodes? Um, six. Oh. Showing as they do on BBC Four on Double Bills Saturday night. So the first two have gone out on Saturday and they'll be on the iPlayer. And I'm loving watch. the iPlayer at the moment. Of course, it's all about the iPlayer. It's really good, honestly. It's a really good mystery. Um, lots of interesting and lots of juicy stuff about you know the native Australians and mm-hmm. how they live as contrast to other people living in the town. Lots of stuff about that. It's really good. Mystery Road, BBC Four. Bravo. Thank you. And now, moving on to the second element of the format of Basic Bingers, which we like to call Pog Picks, don't we, Kay? Yes, Referring we do. as we do to people on the ground. Our as listeners. In our listeners, our much-loved and cherished listeners, keeping it real out there on the ground. <laughs> yeah, we do. And um, this week, the suggestion comes from Steve Gallagher, who says, have you discussed... Right, he said ma- at Maisel TV. What's it called? We, we had for the actually pre- The Marvellous That's Maisel, it. We yes. previewed this before. And he said, started binge-watching following the Emmys win. Mm. Finally, a really good Amazon um, production. Hashtag Pock recommends. And that's true because we reviewed it actually on our last podcast, The Unmissables. And um, we gave it a favourable review, didn't we? We did give it a favourable review. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and it, got be- it gets better as well as it goes on. And it did win the em- it did win Emmys this week. I think it won... Best comedy, and I think you won Best Comedy Actress, at least. Yeah, really good. Um, is, that the, is that the person on the ground? Is that that's the, the pick. That's the one. Mm-hmm. The one and only. Well, because I wanted to make a little space for a, another pick. But was this, are we moving on to the second yeah. new element? Well, a new element of the format, which is called Cogs. Yeah. Is that right? It is Cogs. Celebrities on the ground. Absolutely. The Cog pick. K, reveal all. <laughs> Okay, so this week I interviewed Mr. Claude Littner for The Apprentice and um, I told him, I didn't really need to tell him, he knew all about the Basic Bingers podcast. Did Um, he though? He might have done. And um, anyway, so I talked to him about this and he had his own picks, cog picks, so this is what he had to say. Hi everyone, my name is Claude Littner and my cog pick is Fowder on Netflix. It's absolutely enthralling. Also, I've been watching Bodyguard, but of course my absolute favourite, and it must be your favourite, The Apprentice. I like the fact that you had a cheeky uh, plug for The Apprentice there. We forgive you for that. I mean, it's a bit much, isn't it? No, really? it's not. It's, it's completely fine, Come and we will be Lord. reviewing it. Yeah. He comes um, from the world of harsh business. He knows yeah, exactly. he needs to sell. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. yeah, sell, sell, sell. Plugging. Also, I think Fowder's a good pick, because I've heard about that from other people. Have mm. you seen that? I Netflix. Not seen it. Yes, I've equally also heard about it. Yeah, it's about the. um, I looked it up because I didn't know too much. And it's about a top Israeli agent who comes out of retirement to hunt for a Palestinian fighter he thought he'd killed. That sounds really juicy. It does sound juicy, right up Claude Street. Excuse me? (laughs) Claude likes juice, that's fair enough. 
Now we move on to any other business, or as I like to call it, can I just say? Can I just say? What would you like to say, Kay? Right, what I'd just like to say is... This is kind of random shit, isn't it? Yeah, random shit. So I put onto our basic binges Twitter the other day because there is a little bit of an argument, long-standing argument between Boyd and I about tea-making, as I referred to earlier in the podcast, tea bags. Because Boyd and I, every day, we'll make tea together, and every day he does the same thing, and I think just to annoy me... When there are teaspoons available, he'll purposely get a fork, he'll hold it up so I can see it, and then he'll either use a fork or even sometimes a knife to take out his tea bag. So I just put it to the pogs. Is this normal behaviour? What do you think about it? A lot of people on my side, Boyd, I have to tell you. Some people saying, you know, Hugo Greaves, don't use a fork. Yes, I agree, Hugo. We had Gertrude Perkins, Gertie Perks, saying, but why would you? A very good question. Kerry Lydon said, why would you make tea in a cup? It should be made in a pot, which is also another good point. I mean, we're not very fancy oh, here. Oh, wow, yeah. Kerry, we're not it's fancy not at all. afternoon service, is it? <laughs> we're not. Oh, yeah, like you're making tea in a pot every day. Yeah, no, I'm not. No, Kerry might be. You're not. No, she, she's, I'm sure she is, yeah. Marky yeah. Mansell says, definitely acceptable. Oh, mm. there you go. Weird, but acceptable, which I agreed with. Anyway, so it's rumbling on, but I think the... The result um, was that you're weird anyway, and should stop doing it. That, anyway, that's Kay's um, explanation, and this is the truth. So what actually happens <laughs> is that if there isn't a spoon, obvious spoon to spare, to hand, then I will use available. a fork. And because it's what, does it matter? It still works. You can easily lift a tea bag out of your cup with a fork. The big question is, why do you give a flying shit? <laughs> do you know what? The point, oh, I'm just gonna, Why does it bother you? Listen, I'm going to wrap this up, right? But the point you is, it up, Kay. you do it when the spoons are available. I just don't understand no, why I you don't do it. Know. You That's do it and you true. know it. No, you're just, listen, don't lie to the He's listeners. trying to act like don't innocent lie, now, but he does, and no. he purposely holds it in front of me to taunt oh, me. One I mean, of the one of the additional things that you, by the way, you didn't read out was uh, mm. that Laura said at first I was horrified. But actually, when using a fork, more tea can be strained. So this could be genius. I mean, John, there was a reason I didn't read that out. Yeah, I mean, that is classic K, isn't it? That's the best. Can we just say, on any, on an objective, you know, any objective scale. It's never objective. That was the best tweet in response to this whole saga. And K refused to read it out because it didn't back her up. And I think, let's just take a moment. I missed it. For that to sink in and to say how biased and unfair Kay can be in this kind of situation. I think you've revealed more about yourself, perhaps, than my fault. Boyd, there's a theme of this podcast. You're really having a go. Trying to get Carl against me, right? And and the rest. Mm -hmm. Right, anyway, let's move on. Fury. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And now it's time for the meat. To start with, the cry on BBC One television starting next Sunday, because now, you know what's happening now? Bodyguard's over, ladies and gentlemen. <gasps> but, oh, Kay's dropped her right oh, so so shot. It's about the end of Bodyguard. She's so furious with me. <laughs> She's thrown her phone at me. This is a starring Jenna Coleman, or formerly of Doctor Who fame, and the uh, Victoria, Queen Victoria, Victoria. The <laughs> Victoria, called, the Victoria. Yeah. Um, another season, just about to arrive of that at some point. She plays a young woman who is married to a guy called Alistair, played by Ewan Leslie, who's an Amer- Australian actor, who is in Top of the Lake, you may recognise him, yep. Top of the Lake, which we reviewed on this show. And as the show kicks off, right at the beginning of the episode, it's adapted from a novel by Helen Fitzgerald. Uh, it's a psychological thriller, and there's a huge big trauma that happens to this couple. And it happens, so right now I'm thinking, I don't know how much to explain how much to avoid spoiling it, but okay, shaking your head violently don't, don't, at me. No. All right, but let me just say this don't thing about it. it. If you look at the B- official BBC um, press information, like press release, they do explain what the horrible thing is that happens to this couple, which doesn't happen until middle to late of the first episode, right? It's the last so, thing that happens in the it's, first It's the last episode. thing. I'm saying. It's a while since I've seen this episode because I watched it ages ago, <laughs> just saying. Anyway... So the BBC, in their official press materials, do mention what this thing is. So we're not going to mention it. Oh, you decide, Boyd. No, no, we're not going to mention it. And that's because we try to not explain too much about the plots. And we don't want to spoil anything. But a thing happens, um, a trauma happens. As they're going off to Australia, he's Australian. They're married. They've got a new baby. Um, they have to fly out and go through the trauma of having a baby on the flight, which we'll get to later, which I thought was brilliantly done. And he is also negotiating with his ex-wife for custody of his 14-year-old daughter from that previous marriage. So that's the situation. There's lots of stress and tension that they have to go through. And then this big trauma happens. What did you think of it? Johnny? I thought it was great. It's very intense. And um, the way that it, without trying to give away too many plot points, is a lot of it is about how stressful and disorientating being a, a new parent can be and so they use kind of like a lot of the episodes not in the correct order and a lot of the time scenes will just cut and then it will cut again and she's woken up because she's clearly just fallen asleep somewhere and there's like lots of hazy visuals and quite like subtle soundscapes that really all just kind of contribute to this kind of disorientating feeling as a viewer of the episode but in a way that's not like it's not trying to alienate you it's trying to make you feel empathetic with these characters and i thought that was absolutely brilliant also i i've obviously i've seen jenna coleman in doctor who i haven't seen victoria and i thought she was great fun in doctor who but i've never thought oh she's like a an actor actor you know who's an award-winning actor but in this she's absolutely phenomenal like so those are my two main thoughts and you guys can duke it out now 
Come on, let's duke it out, Kate. Okay, <laughs> what I loved about this, so oh. with the bodyguard, first 20 minutes was incredibly tense. You know, you hardly drew breath because you were like so nervous about what was going to happen on that train. With this, the queasy anxiety was building up in my stomach from the very beginning and didn't, and was still there. Like at the end of the 60 minutes, I would just felt so incredibly tense and anxious for her because as you said, she she's like portrayed this role as a, a mother struggling, really struggling to cope with a cry, a baby that is relentlessly crying. And that's the thing. It's not just like the stress of a new new mother because that is obviously stressful, but this baby will not shut up. And dealing with it on a long haul flight, which I thought was excellent because you would just feel so anxious for her, obviously, because this baby will not stop crying and you're empathetic towards her. But then also, and if you're being honest with yourself, it is your worst nightmare as a fellow passenger if you don't have a baby. Because STFU. I was like, huh? Just you thinking STFU. Yeah, honestly, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm translating for boys. Um, but it is true. You also, mm. you, you know, you feel really bad for her, and you think, oh god, like why doesn't someone help her? But also, you're like, can you imagine what a pressure cooker situation that is in on a long haul flight with that happening? So, yeah, I thought that was really expertly done, and also I really love the fact that Stella is it Gannett Gornet's in it. Um, she Gone, I think. Oh, okay, fine. She plays the husband's mother who's in Australia. Yeah. And the reason why I love her is that, um, as we all know, she was Beatrice in the House of Elliot, which I used to be obsessed with. Well, if you used to be obsessed with, you should know how to pronounce her name. No, but I can never pronounce her name. I think it's Stella Gonet. 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 Okay, fine. Maybe, maybe I'm getting it wrong. Maybe it's Gonet. Maybe it's Jeanette. Anyway. What did you think of I <laughs> thought it was great, yeah. And um, I did watch it a while ago because I... Name, this is official name drop. I did interview Jenna Coleman for it a while ago. It must be about a month ago now. And she was saying how weird it was to film because it, it, it does, as you both alluded to, it hasn't got, it completely goes outside uh, chronological events and the story is told in a very jittery way over different timelines and cutting between different locations constantly all the way through. And so it's completely, and I think that the, the reason it does that is because it's reflecting the her troubled mind. So mm. her state of mind right from the beginning is very troubled and fractured. She's so on the edge. Yeah, so the whole narrative is fractured as well without wanting to sound too pretentious about it, but I'm going to. No, it's true. And um, she said it was really weird to film because obviously... Even though she knows the script and she knows what happens from A to Z in the story, they're doing it all in different... They're filming all these different little bits and putting it all together like a huge, big, complicated puzzle. So she was completely like... At one point she said when I was interviewing her, I didn't really know what I was doing you know, in the middle of this thing. And um, like the director, she said, you know, they had the same director all the way through, I think. And he, she said it was down to him to go, right, this is the bit where you're feeling that and this is the bit where you're feeling... Because her, a lot of it is just her um, quite silent, like not through um, dialogue, just reacting to the awful stuff that's happening to her. And she's able to convey and that just with her, it, yeah. with her look. So it is an incredible performance. She is absolutely brilliant. And just to give you an indication of just how fractured it is, and like this, when I, cause I was reviewing it, and I had to recheck the opening scene. So the opening scene, because it's all told in flashback, but it starts with her in what you think is, is her home, sitting on a bed, and then she gets, do you remember this, she gets up and she goes to the front door and then she goes out and there's all these journalists oh, yeah. there. And that, you know that, that classic thing you get in loads of dramas where there's a, press, there's a pack of the press there, the media, flashing lights in her face and she has that kind of walk through them mm. to get to her car, right? Now that's what happens in the MEC. But what happens is it intercuts with six versions of that. Six yes. different You're right. times where she's done that thing. And ah. she's wearing all the... So I literally had to pause it and, ch- and count the number of different outfits she was wearing mm-hmm. and the different... And it's so clever how, even right from the beginning, you almost like, it's almost imperceptible. It was almost like yeah. subconscious. It's, it's showing you this, this thing has happened to her and it means a different thing in five or six different ways because she's gone through it in five mm. or six different 
it weighs. So right from the start, it's discombobulated. Yeah. You know something bad's happened, but you don't know know who by whom or what it is. And it is, yeah. It's It's very, very clever. So um, I thought it was great, yes. And um, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. I'm giving it five stars. Wow. I I went for four and a half stars. Uh, Now, I know you've wrapped up this review, but I was just wondering... We've obviously all said that it's great, and it's not going to be bodyguard levels of success. But do you think it will be a hit? Yes, I, I think it will. Yeah, I think I think I know what you're. I think you're what you're alluding to there, if I may say so, John, is that it's unlike Bodyguard, which is immediately grabs you and has a very kind of big, bold, plot-heavy storyline. Yes, this is different, isn't it? This is yeah. more a mood piece. I mean, I think you are. Gripped, but you obviously want to know what the what the central mystery is all about. But as as I as I explained right at the beginning, you don't even know what the central big thing that happens that you need to solve until towards the end of episode one. And I, I know you're still yeah, gripped, but, but I it's think anyone... a different kind of show to Bodyguard. So yeah. I think people are expecting oh they're no, going to get another compare... very mainstream kind of straightforward. I'm not Bodyguard was straightforward, but effectively chronological mystery. It's it's not that. I I think it will do well though because I think she's very popular, yeah. and I think it is gripping from the start. I think anyone that watches the um, first episode in, in its entirety and gets to the end yeah. is going to want to watch the second episode. Definitely. Yeah. The Cry, it's four parts. It starts on BBC One next Sunday, the 30th of September at nine o'clock. And now we move on to a podcast review of a podcast. And who else can possibly explain what the hell this is apart from King of the Podcasts, <laughs> John? Thank you very much. I will take that title and run with it this is the third series of serial which is most modern crime podcasts you can draw a line back to the first series of serial and the the inverted commas gimmick of the first series was that it was one crime told through an entire season um it was the case of adnan syed and it 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 was the first truly inverted commas viral podcast and so this is the the second series was about Bowie Bugdall and was slightly less popular. I personally have a soft spot for it. I thought it was still good. And this third series is not about a specific case, but it is about the entire Cleveland court system. So we follow Sarah Koenig, who has been the host from the start, as she goes through kind of, I guess, vignettes of different in each episode oh, good word. of yeah. little elements of the the Cleveland court system, but they kind of all tell a bigger story. So the first one is about a specific crime where a young woman punches a police officer and the second one... Accidentally. Yeah, I was about to say that. Good point. (laughs) And the second episode is about a specific judge. Um, It kind of follows him and his very cringeworthy discussions with certain... uh, Yeah, methods with um, certain people. We have a couple... Reviews, shall I say? Wow, yeah. already? Yeah. Amazing. So reviews just in. So um, I tweeted about this this morning and uh, Laura got, got in touch and she said she really enjoyed it. It resonated with me how the lawyers downplayed things that were actually life-changing things for normal people to go through. The racial commentary is also really interesting and mm. underpins a lot of, in inverted commas, justice we hear about. And Andrew says, the thing you get from Serial is how can the justice system initially think they've made the right call? Lives can be ruined on the say of a policeman. Episode one could have ended on a much different note. Plus two episodes in one drop. Thumbs up. Yeah. I think it's good they did two episodes in one drop. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? So what, what, what I found, before we get into even the nitty gritty of, the, of these two episodes, it's such, a, it's such a different format, isn't it? From So what made Serial famous was, as the title would suggest, in fact, it was like a drama serial, 
yeah. about this incredibly intriguing, unique case that played out over many, many parts about Adnan and etc. This, in complete contrast, is about the world of this particular courtroom, this 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 um, setting. But each week, it's completely different mm. stories. So it's almost like not really serial. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I'm just I'm just explaining case. But and I, I think would it's agree. Bold. I would agree. I think it's both bold and good. I think the- that they've taken this. That they've gone down this route, but it's definitely a different prospect. It's definitely a completely different thing. Sorry, Kay, what were you going to say? No, sorry, I interrupted you. I think the other thing about the first serial was that people listening turned into investigators themselves and were trying to solve yeah. it. Whereas with this, it's harder because For sure. you know this is a study. This is a detailed study of the criminal justice system mm. in America. And it's focused on one particular example of it. And as she talks about at the beginning, Sarah Koenig explains at the beginning, you're going to take some right in the, literally in the middle of America, in the middle of the country, and, you know, somewhere where they've got complete access. So not everywhere would give them access, she explains at the beginning. They've got, they can go anywhere with their microphones into the different courtrooms. Which is, is incredible. Incredible, yeah. But I think really it's definitely, I guess the underlying thing that links all this series is, is, the, is stuff about the criminal justice system. Yes. And how extraordinary it is. And I think it is unique, isn't it, that in America, I feel much more than here, it all comes down to this plea bargaining situation where hardly anything goes to trial and it's all, it's all about the defence lawyers and the um, uh, prosecuting lawyers, thank you, I forgot the word prosecution there, <laughs> um, kind of playing this, having this like dance almost of where they kind of negotiate with each other. And almost like the poor person accused of a crime. And they're just collateral. They're they're just like, in the, yeah, yeah in, the, in the middle of it. Mm. And they're almost above that. It's all, it's all happening above it. And as, as that one of our listeners said, you really get a sense, particularly in that first episode, of this poor woman in the middle of the go- people negotiating about her life as if yeah. she's already been in prison four nights as if you know her then being getting a conviction no matter how seemingly trivial is not going to be a life-changing thing i i do think it's incredibly important this, yes. uh, it feels like even more important than the previous series because this really is laying bare the extraordinary state of the american criminal justice system okay yeah I agree. I, when I first started listening to this, it's hard not to compare it to Serial because I, I never listened to the second Serial. I listened to the first one. I was obviously obsessed with it. And so it's very hard not to immediately think, oh, and feel a little bit disappointed because it's not exactly the same. And I think that's because you don't, you know, with the first one with Adnan, you're so emotionally invested in his story and as him as a person. And it's harder to do that with these cases because you, they're just kind of like, as John said, vignettes. But the first episode I liked... But it was the second one that really reeled me in because I just found it more interesting. The fact that, you know, it was all, as John said, it was all about this judge who's got this God complex and a very odd way of looking at how he should be doling out punishment. And it, that was fascinating because it is a kind of character study of him and his thing. And you can tell that Sarah Koenig thinks he's kind of wrong in what he's doing um because he thinks he's a twat yeah i was gonna say yeah yeah, i was gonna say i think it's fair and it's fair to say his uh his practices are questionable i don't think that's uh yeah libel no i mean he he, i mean let's give an example my 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 incredible example and he he gives people um he he lets people you know he doesn't jail people puts them on parole for a long period of time and his condition one of his conditions frequently that he says to me was you can't have another baby unbelievable yeah. he's telling which is she points out is unconstitutional for a start he just lectures and them so constantly. he lectures them and obviously yeah. like when it comes down to it he doesn't actually have any power to stop them having children but he tells them he does no. that's just one example of it extra- and of, of course all these people he's dealing with are black they're yeah. African Americans they're not yeah which he that, asks that, the questions he asks yeah. are very and race and ethnicity which is you know still so 
at the top of American politics and everything and culture and society is always the underlying thing that's happening. In the first one, it points out that if, the, if this woman who had accidentally the policeman had been black, things might have been very, very She different. says it herself. She says it herself. And in the second one, it's all about the way these black people are dealt with by this white old guy. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's... I mean, I was just going to say that I really like everything that Sarah Koenig does and I think she's the way that she investigates the thoroughness of it and her commitment to making this podcast is great because you know in the, particularly in the second episode they would be referring to a case and then obviously a lot of these people are uh, reoffenders and so then she kind of says you know and then they were back in three months time in nine months time and then it flashed you know you got audio from that because they've been around for so long monitoring all these cases. And I thought, John, did you think, I thought we got another side of her as well, I think. I mean, I, was, I think if you listen to her on This American Life, which is where, you know, she's kind of, she's, that's what she's famous for before yeah. doing Syria. But she's quite, she can be funny. Yes. And there's more of her being wryly amusing about this stuff. Because some of it is borderline, is, is blackly comical. Yeah. A lot of it, in fact, is blackly comical. And she absolutely picks up on she that. She acknowledges which I, it. Which I really liked. Like there's, I, feel, I felt that was a more loose version of her, maybe, than, than in the previous series. Yeah, I think some of the phone calls with Adnan in the first series gave oh, yeah, an insight into a human. Yeah. But I, I would agree, and that's it. So without something like Adnan as a anchor, uh, Sarah is the anchor of this show now, and I think she's brilliant. Like, I, she's absolutely phenomenal. And like some of the stuff I really liked was she, yeah, like you say, she's very good at explaining things that might otherwise be complicated in a way that is totally understandable, which is brilliant. And also, I love the way that she's st- it, it's still storytelling. So even just like little details like the fact that she talks about on on her day in court the lady in the first episode she mentions that she's still got the tags in her clothes because she's going to try and take them back to the store afterwards and it's just little details like that that might not seem necessary but just and she describes the lift and all the different people that kind of yeah and the the awkward conversation she has in lift which is a very like evident moment of like humor there's one thing um so i think it is really important because for instance with that judge everyone who's kind of come across this judge and probably has seen how he's questionable, isn't in a position to address this because it will affect their career or their time in prison. So it's really interesting to have someone who's totally neutral and isn't going to get hurt by these criticisms and bringing them out. So that is really important. So I think hopefully the rest of the series is about the legal system from a kind of totally neutral point of view to observe these these issues without, you know, any fear of repercussions on themselves. And secondly, I think it's interesting that I'm sure it happened before in the past, but when the first series of serial came out it was such a big it was so like a big deal that it was a serial because documentaries were usually one thing but but, because in the intervening years all podcasts are that it that's become the norm but at the time that was an interesting choice and so to have her kind of turn back on that or she's she kind of still tries to claim that it is a serial insofar as it's the story of a court Yeah, exactly. I think that's a bit tenuous. I agree. agree. But I don't know whether that's maybe that's an interesting choice for her to do when everyone else is doing the serial. Then they'll copy her. Yeah. Yeah, So it's the equivalent of they spent a year, haven't they? You know, her and and the other reporter who comes up a lot in the second episode who sounds British. Yeah. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yes. He's great as well. But I think so. I'm I'm kind of split between whether it is or isn't a serial because it is. Clearly, it's like laser focused on this Cleveland court, and they've been there for a year, and he moved there to kind of you know because he was so going in there every single day so it do, I guess in the end it is going to be a, 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 a whole vision of life in this court but it is individual things happening each week it's, it's fascinating but what I wanted to quickly say without wanting to be too pompous I think because you still get people I see it on Twitter all the time I see it like journalists all the time going on about how 
like race in America, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and all like that, and that why are they, you know, why are black people in America still complaining, you know, it's, it's not, you know, and that you, honestly, you do get this a lot as if it's not intrinsically down to America being institutionally racist from top to bottom. And this, again, underlines, I want, there's a brilliant moment in that first episode where she asks the alleged perpetrator, the one who accidentally hit the cop in this bar brawl because she'd been, her ass had been pinched like seven times by this bloke. Mm. And she says to her, why did you, when you were taken away, arrested and taken away in the cop in the cop van, why did you sit there kind of shouting and complaining about your situation? Why didn't you just like calm down and, you know, try and go the, the path of least resistance with the cops? And she said, her answer is, because I'm a white girl. And I thought that was absolutely. There was that moment was mm. like that is the rev- like for me was like oh that's what this is all about really. So it is kind of all about I think in the end my guess is it's going to be all about pretty much the way that race works in America and how mm. pr- and the in- an extraordinary majority of prisoners people convicted of crimes in America are black. Anyway, I've I've uh, I've launched my rant. Yeah, um, I'm going to give it five stars because I think. I just think it's like, you know, you kind of want to go out there and say every all you fucking, sorry, I'm swearing, all you idiots who don't know what's going on in the world should listen to this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm giving four and a half. Four and a half. Oh. Serial. It's out now, isn't it? So I guess we're going to get new episodes every Thursday. Is that that right? seems to be the way. Yes. On whichever way you listen to your podcasts, John. Yes, agreed. Whatever platform you use. Yeah. And finally, series 14. Okay. I mean, there aren't many shows that can say that, are there? No. Of The Apprentice. Take it away, K-Rib. Right. The Apprentice, as most people know, is about a group of, usually doofus, but, you know, potential candidates for Sir Alan Sugar to invest in their companies. This case is 16 of them. The first episode is really good because one of my favourite tasks they do, they usually split into two teams, and... Towards the end of the series, they're usually sent abroad with a list of things they have to buy. And, you know, it's always really, really good. This time, they switch a ruder and it's all happening in the first episode. So now we have an even greater number of people going abroad in their two teams of men and women, followed by Claude Littner and Karen Brady, who observe everything they're doing and feed back to Lord Sugar. And then he kind of obviously assesses how well they've done and berates them accordingly. John, are you a fan of The Apprentice? Uh, Do you, have you religiously watched The Apprentice from day one? I have never seen. You've never what? seen The Apprentice. No. Wow. I'm intrigued. I'm fast. I'm excited to know what you think. It's a it's a baptism of fire. <laughs> jumping in at the first episode of series fourteen. You don't have to have seen the previous thirteen series. We should have forced him. Yeah. It's not like watching it's American like Horror Story Syndrome. series season eight or whatever it is. Do you want me to say I what I thought? I want you to say what you think oh, of it. it yeah, is, I bloody well do. It is very much not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I, I was thinking all morning, how am I going to like go around talking about this show? Seeing You're going like, to go around talking about it as well, well as on this podcast? No, but it's in, how do I... How do I I'll go about? Yeah, oh, manoeuvre around right. the idea but of be reviewing honest, this always show. Be honest. This is just not for me and that's fine. Do you find it uncomfortable <laughs> watching a bunch of egomaniacs yeah. talking about themselves? Is that one of the issues? Yeah, I think the whole... I, oh gosh, I really don't want to... It's not my kind of personality to be mean about stuff. It's Objectively, I understand it is a well-made no, TV show. For me personally, I didn't... I, I found them all... I just didn't like anyone. and That's often the case, though. I mean, I'd, sometimes uh, there are uh, some nice people in there, but usually... The guy who was the captain of the men's team at first seemed really fun, and then yeah. I think he started getting super defensive. And suddenly but that's the thing, because yeah. it's doggy dog. In the, in the, in the, in the, in the yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. So, yeah, so... <laughs> 
It's just, but that's the thing. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And so that's oh, yeah. why I've never watched an episode yeah. in my life. I mean, it is an interesting point though, isn't it, Kate, that sometimes there are, sometimes right from the beginning, like all these shows where you've got like 14, 15, 16 people you're suddenly introduced to, mm. there's usually one or two to latch onto. You think, oh, they're yeah. quite decent and, and, and fun and nice in the middle, in the midst of a load of doofuses, as you say. Yeah. But I did think, I have to say, my, as I finished watching this first episode, I thought, I do not like any of this bunch. I did like one. I liked, you? as you said, the male captain of well, his team. Yeah. Sorry, I'm now getting you to rummage through your uh, notes. No, that's fine. To name um, him. His name is, I can't really say it, Coyote. Yeah, Coyote. Coyote yeah, Damali. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is fun. He was, he's, he's got the gift of the gab, but he seems quite level-headed. Um, I think Lord Sugar sort of liked him as well, responded well to him. For people who haven't seen it like John, it can be a lot. But as someone who watches it every year, it's it's classic combination of people in there. And when I was interviewing Claude and I was talking oh. to him about this... Bong. Bong. He was saying, but you've got to understand, you know, they are very young, a lot of them. And from my point of view as well, it takes a certain type of person to be on that programme. You have to be confident. You know, they're trying to make it in this and impress Lord Sugar and they think they need to be a certain way. But like I said, starting off with my favourite task was a good move because I just always really love that. And this year particularly, the women are just so screechy and like awful to each other, don't you think? Well, I knew you can say that as a woman. Yeah, I know. Yeah. If you said it, it would be all out of order. But no, it's just exactly you know the same and i enjoyed it yeah i mean i do love the apprentice okay enough yeah and and um i mean i think i'm, I'm uh, yeah i think i must probably watch every episode I mean, really? I, now i'm trying to think what have i done with my life because <laughs> that's like if you do the math it's like 10 was it 10 episodes per series maybe more maybe 12 that's 13 a lot of series that's a lot of time i've spent mm. like just watching lord sugar talk nonsense you know and yet I do enjoy it, and I think, and I do feel bad about it in a way because, yeah, you're right. There is a lot of meanness going on. But I think in the end, I guess my feeling is it, it, none of it really matters because you know, I mean, it is the show that birthed Casey Hopkins, and for that, you know, we should all we should all resent it to some extent. <laughs> but in the end, I think it kind of they're all right and they'll all be fine, and no one will be permanently damaged by it. But and they're definitely putting it on a bit. For yeah. The oh my god. They're oh yeah. So you're not actually these. Yeah. They, I mean, it's I have got to, to be say, entertaining at the end of the day. Yeah. It can't just be like. So about this particular start of this series, I do thought um, I thought a couple of things. One is, as I've already said, they are intensely kind of not particularly likable, apart from maybe Coyote. Then the opening, so they always do this opening thing where they all say one ludicrous uh, line. And they are, that? even by the standards, right? They, so they do, every series begins with them saying something really stupid about themselves. I am an extremist, one of them said, yeah. yeah. They are even more preposterous than usual. But and I that enjoy is, it takes for that reason, lot. but I enjoy it. And, one, and there are rumours, and I don't like to, you know, have them necessarily say the truth, that there are people feeding them these lines, you know, that there are people giving, advising them very strongly. I think we can agree that almost certainly and happens. It, agree, and almost certainly happens. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. You know, like some doofus says, I have the beauty in the brains. Typically, people only have one. I was blessed with them both in abundance. <laughs> you gigantic twat. Anyway, so there was that, which they were even more preposterous than before. Yeah. But as you said, this tri- this task is always one of the most entertaining. Yeah. So, so I thought it was quite clever to make it the first one. But the big thing for me was there was no meeting where they're deciding their team name. Yeah. You know, there's no meeting where they're coming up with, oh, let's call it Team Zodiac. Let's call it Team Gigantic. That Which is always one of the most brilliantly entertaining moments in the whole series. Well, Presumably, they'll get onto that in episode two. Well, Lord Sugar does say in the press pack we received, expect the unexpected. So they're wow. switching stuff up. Yeah. You know, maybe that's not going to be a thing yeah. this year. And his stuff that came out was even more controlled and preposterous than ever as well but I still do enjoy it yeah and I'm everyone will tune in it's, it's very entertaining I mean, well not John again no. but you know I don't think the John Dan army are going to watch it either. no all John's fans will. yeah I'm going to give it four stars I'm giving four and a half three stars <laughs> generous 
The Apprentice, Series 14, Episode 1, goes out on Wednesday, next Wednesday, the 3rd of October, 9pm, on BBC One. That concludes the meat of this podcast, doesn't it, Mm. everyone? I think you can agree it was juicy. Yeah. Have we got time for one final look at what is undoubtedly the TV drama of the year? Bodyguard. Yep, spoiler special. So if for some reason you decided not to watch it live on Sunday night on BBC One and you still want to catch up with the iPlayer, please stop now. Stop listening now and move on to something else in your life or come back to this later, this final few minutes of this podcast because we are going to talk a little just about what we thought of how um, Jeb Mercurio, the creator and writer, wrapped up his extraordinarily popular, gigantically viewed... Gigantically viewed? I mean, I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Series Bodyguard... You watched the final episode, didn't you, John? Yeah. What did you make of it? Was it was it the terrorists? Was it the police? Was it the gangsters? It, it was all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty... <laughs> you summed it up. There you go. See the you end. next week. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this central sequence, wasn't there, where our hero, the bodyguard... The very handsome Richard Madden. Richard I was going to call him Steve McFadden. Definitely not <laughs> Steve Definitely McFadden. Definitely not Steve McFadden. <laughs> where he was attached to, he'd been kind of effectively kidnapped, attached to a explosive device, the same kind of device that we saw right at the beginning of the series on the train with the woman, and he had to somehow extricate himself from it, and he literally had to walk from, like, it was like Hoban, like that square near Hoban Tube, yeah. if you, if you oh, sorry, it's very London-centric, but it is a thing, it being central London, back to his home, wherever that was, like a few miles away. Yeah, I think that would have taken hours. It would have taken hours, and it was an extended sequence, it was like the centrepiece of the whole episode, whereby he was negotiating with the police and the spooks, his wife, everyone was there, everyone like, arrived at various different moments. I thought it was kind of like, again, as I, I keep joining, I keep saying the same thing, apologies, but I love how Jim McCurio kind of, it's almost borderline funny mm. how kind of he gathers all his cast of characters and pushes them quite over the top to make it even more entertaining and tense. But it was super tense, even though you thought, well, it's definitely going to come back for a second series. So, you know, Richard Madden's not going to die. But, and yet you still really, really had to work out how he was going to get himself out of this situation. Who, and were the police and the and the espionage people, were they on his side or not on his side? I thought it was so brilliantly done, that whole central piece. My absolute favourite thing about this, because obviously it was super tense and is that usually for other creators of these dramas, mm. that would be it, right? Mm. That's the main thing. That would be like figuring yeah. it all out. Yeah. You know, you'd be on the edge of the sofa, you find it out, that's it. But with Jed, he always has a cheeky extra twist sting oh, in the yeah. tail. And the twist that actually it was that original woman on the train yeah. was genius. I mean, it's been the hit drama of the year. And, you know, it's been an absolute phenomenon. Incredible stuff. And I loved it. I lo- and I, which, the bottom line is, I thought I really loved the ending. I thought, you know, I thought the set piece was brilliant and I loved that final twist. And the fact that he, he can now come back for Series 2 and I'm sure there will be Series 2. Oh, of course. Now, that's it for Basic Bingers. Kay and John, thank you so much for your glorious contributions. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.